Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. rabbi. You may have heard the expression OTD, which means off the derech. It's a phrase that's usually used to describe someone who has been or is supposed to be religious. That's the derech, the path. And this person or these people are off the derech. They have deviated from the path that they are supposed to be walking on. And it's a bit of an unfortunate phrase, the way it's used. It's often or usually judgmental, maybe the way we would talk about someone who is or used to be in recovery from an addiction, has fallen off. And it's also unfortunate because it seems to imply that there is a derech, there is one way, and you're either on it or you're off it, similar to the Merry Pranksters and Ken Kesey talking about how you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. But let's just take it generously and assume that more or less, and defined widely, it's a 12-lane road, and there is a derech. It is a derech that leads towards the kinds of behaviors and results that are desirable. It is a derech, a path that includes integrity and sincerity and a healthy amount of authenticity, accountability. It's a path that includes joy and reflection. It's got a good amount of humility, openness, learning. It also includes teshuva, the ability to self-correct. Let's assume that that's what we mean by being on the derech. So once a person is on the derech, they would have good reason to believe that their job at this point is simply to put one foot after the other and to walk the derech. And we can look back at the first four names of the Yitzhahara as indications or maps that can help us get on the derech and be on the derech in the right way. Hashem called the Yitzhah Ra. Hashem indicated that there is a right derech and a wrong derech. One of these derachim, one of these paths, is called bad. And one of them is called good. So make sure you know which derech you should be setting as your destination. Moshe called the Yetzer Aral, the foreskin, that which is experienced as a barrier that prevents us from tuning in to the communication and the guidance that we will be receiving that would guide us towards reaching this path and walking it properly. David called the Yetzer Tame because he said, God, I need a pure heart. Create for me a pure heart. And we talked about this state of Tum'ah being a condition or a state 
of being shut down, of being unavailable. And even if there is a path to walk, I can't align with it. I can't open to it. I can't be blessed by it. I can't be transformed by it because I'm shut down and I need to do something in order to realign myself with the path. Shlomo called the Yetzer Sone, the hater. This is a compelling force which might offer an alternative to the path that we are walking because it is just so compelling. It's hungry. There's a certain hunger, which upon further inspection, I might realize that I'm not satisfying my deepest hunger by being on this path. And I have allowed myself to walk a path casually or in a lazy way or without bringing my full intensity to the experience or without demanding of this path that it deeply nourish me and deeply satisfy my desire for meaning, my desire for direction, etc. And Shlomo encouraged us to get to know the hater, to invite it, to invite its raw message, its demand for more, to invite that into our experience, but to match it with a deeper intensity through learning, through relationship, through experience. And these will fortify my path and the hater and the energy that the hater brings is transformed into something positive in terms of the journey I'm taking on this path. And once we have all these, once we know what's good and what's bad and we're open and we're listening and we are able to respond accordingly and we have done the work of maximizing the intensity of our walking on this path, we would have pretty good reason to believe that we're there. We've done the work. We're on the path. Now our job is simply to put one foot after the other and keep walking the path. But the fifth name of the Yitzhar Hara, which is brought to us by Yeshaya, the prophet, is Michshol, stumbling block. This name given by Yeshaya comes amidst the verse in Yeshaya 57, verse 14. In Hebrew, Ve'amar solu solu panu darech harimu michshol miderech ami. Rendered in English as something like, And God said, Solu solu, make a path, make a path. Panu derech, clear the way. Harimu michshol, lift up or remove the stumbling blocks, miderech ami, from the path of my nation. A relatively modern commentator who died in the year 1900 by the name of Malbim notices that there are actually three different kinds of moves that are described in this verse. The first one is solu, solu. Make a path. Make a path where there is no path. The second one is panu derech. Clear away the path. Clear away the debris, as it were, that is on the path. Clean up the path. Remove the blockages on the path. And the third one, which is the one that our Gemara focuses on, remove the stumbling blocks. And the Mabim says about this, that this is a path which has been already established. 
and it is cleared. There's no debris on it. All that's left are these little stumbling blocks. This is a path that is the right path, and it is in good shape. It is basically maintained. We know what we're doing. We know what we're about. We know where we're going. We know what we have to do to get there. We've removed the major obstacles. We've had the important conversations. We've basically figured it out. We've basically navigated it. And yet, there are these subtle disruptors that prevent the walking of this path from going smoothly. Again, not the big obvious ones, not the major obstacles. They are, for better or worse, minor obstacles. And yet, they have the same effect of preventing us from walking this path in a way that is smooth. Notice Rashi, who writes, Remove the stumbling blocks. Harimu Michshol, he writes, Salku Habanim Shatem Nikshalim Raglechem Bahem. Him Hirhure Resha. Remove the stones that your legs are tripping on. This is not a mistake of the eyes or of the ears or the mind or even of the heart. This is a danger or a vulnerability of the legs, of the feet which is a far less conscious place than the eyes and the mind and the heart. A person who falls victim to michshol, who falls victim to the stumbling blocks, is going in the right direction and has their head on straight and has the right intentions, but is not conscious of these small, almost invisible things that prevent them from accomplishing what it is that they want to accomplish, and what it is that they are on their way to accomplishing. And yet, they are not accomplishing, not because of the big stuff, but because of the small stuff. And they are almost invisible. It's as if a person can't see them with their eyes unless they are looking for them. The Mitsudat Tzion, another commentary on Nach, writes the word harimu, remove, or pick up, or take away, is similar to the word truma which is to separate, to take a portion for God. That's the truma Lashem that we read about when we read about the collection of materials in order to build the Mishkan. The offering is called a truma, whereby a person would have their storehouse of silver or gold or whatever it is, and they would take part of it out. They would remove part of it from what is theirs, and they would offer it to the temple. Similarly, we're being asked to find, to locate, and then to separate one from the other, implying that there's a mixture of ground and stumbling block. There is a mixture of path and obstacle that, to the naked eye, appears to be one kind, appears to be of one substance. And there is work that has to be done in order to identify the small thing, the small difference that distinguishes the normal path, the path I want to be walking. It distinguishes that from the stumbling block that will prevent me from being able to walk this path in an effective way. The attention to detail, the attitude, the perspective that would be required in order to 
see or to anticipate the presence of such a michshol is its own skill. It's its own capacity. I believe it aligns with what Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, in his famous book, Mesiyat Sharim, The Path of the Just, what he calls zihirut, carefulness. And he says, I see a need for a person to be medakdeik, to be careful. And to weigh their ways, again that word derech, each day, each day with its own segment of the path that will be walked and therefore its own range of possibilities in terms of michshol, in terms of stumbling blocks. And he says, Like merchants who every day weigh their wares, and they are careful that they shouldn't go wrong, they shouldn't be miscounted or treated in the wrong way. And a person should establish times and hours for this, such that their accounting or their weighing of matters should not be in a random way. Rather, it should be regular. Because it yields great riches when one does this. And he goes on to describe what our rabbis describe in the Talmud as a cheshbon nefesh, for a person to weigh what is happening in their lives, to look at the different matters that are approaching, whether it's a meeting that's coming up or an encounter, whether it's a special day, a holiday, a vacation, the weekend, whatever is going to be, that a person should look at that and they know that it's coming. They see it in front of them on the derech and they could look down onto that segment of road, as it were, and they can see, are there any potholes here? Are there any bumps here? Is there a speed bump that I didn't see before because I'm racing along in my life? Can I anticipate that? Can I look at my day today? Can I look at Monday morning and say, I know what Monday mornings look like. I tend to trip up on this or that. I'm going to make sure that I have an extra cup of coffee to be extra alert and extra awake so that when I encounter this or that thing, that's happening in my day, I know what to do. I know how to handle this. So the Yetzer of Michshol, the Yetzer of the stumbling block is one that comes along when we're not really paying attention. But it's solvable. It can be addressed by that very attention, by anticipation, by looking down, by moving at the speed at which we can move and make sure that we're being careful. And if my mind and my life are moving too quickly, such that I don't have time to look and see what's ahead of me and what's underfoot, then I'm more likely to be susceptible and more likely to fall, literally and figuratively, by this Yetzer. Just to give a short example, the holiday of Purim is upon us. Purim, for intents and purposes, and certainly when looked at, from the outside, is a dangerous day. It is a day in which many people feel beholden to and committed to and excited about even the Talmud's recommendation that a person become a besume on Purim, that a person become sweetly intoxicated on Purim to a pretty high level, to the point where they might not know the difference between Haman being bad and Mordechai being good. That's a pretty dangerous day, and one could imagine the dangers that might ensue if a person were to simply stumble into 
that experience. But if you know that it's coming, you can prepare for that in many kinds of ways. You can prepare logistically. You can make sure that you've got transportation. You can make sure that you've got water. I did that one year. I had someone whose job it was whenever they saw me to bring me a glass of water to make sure that I remained hydrated at that time. Thank you, Mayan. That was amazing. But on a spiritual level, there's also an abundance of ways to prepare for the holiday of Purim. In the breast of lineage, of which I am honored to partake, the recommendation is that the night of Purim is a night of avoda. It's a night of hitbodadut, of talking to God. It's a night of cheshbon. It's a night of looking inside. It's a night of using the great light of Purim and focusing it upon oneself so that a person can ascertain some elements that might serve as michshol, as a stumbling block, not just that day or the next day, but really throughout, because there's such a special light of Purim. It provides an opportunity to look very closely. And with all the joy and all the love that Purim affords, the night is a night of avoda. The night is a night of looking in, doing the work, crying out, connecting to Hashem, connecting to each other, setting one's intentions properly. So that when we get to the day of Purim, we can hope and assume that there will be less stumbling blocks along the way, more smooth sailing through which I can enjoy and be blessed by the great light that is given only on Purim, a unique light which isn't given at any other time of year. And knowing that I've prepared myself as best I can, I can enter into that day relaxed and positive and hopeful and excited to move through what's going to happen at that time. Bezrat Hashem, we will do all the work that we can before Purim, like the fast of Esther, which also comes right before Purim, to prepare ourselves on all the different levels so that we can enter into this day and be blessed and guided by this unique opportunity to take giant, giant leaps along the path towards the kind of presence and relationships and attitude that we hope will carry us through the entire year. I mean...